You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gifts you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you're new to the Yoga Magic Podcast, my name is Ashley. I'm a yoga teacher, a self-care coach, an astrologer. I'm so excited to be chatting with fellow yoga teacher and podcaster Erica Belanger today. Erica is the host of the On and Off Your Mat podcast, and she's just a wealth of knowledge in yoga, self-care, stress reduction, and we talk about all of that today. For so many of us, the practice of yoga, you know, really started as just a physical practice. And I know that was true for me. I wanted to work out. I wanted to look a certain way. And thank God what I learned from yoga was that the practice is so much more than that. Even in this pregnancy, I've had to come back to my practice and connect with the humility of relearning poses and modifying and listening to my body about what the next best step forward is. And it just, it never gets old, friends. <laughs> so today I'm sitting down with Erica to talk about the evolution of her yoga practice and the many, many lessons she's gathered in the process. In this episode, we talk about moving to a tropical location and the impact of sun exposure on our health. We talk about Erica's journey of belonging and getting unnumbed through yoga. We talk about self-care and self-awareness through yoga, the importance of consistency, tips for stress reduction, including prepping for restorative sleep. We talk about avoiding overwhelm with self-care, and then some of Erica's learnings from hosting over 130 podcast episodes to date. Make sure to check out her show on and off your mat, and if you love learning from Erica, she has a great self-care quiz in the show notes that you can learn more about your self-care preferences. Thanks so much for being here each week, dear friends. I'd love to connect with you all online, so shoot me a DM. Say hi if you enjoyed this episode. You can find us on Instagram at Yoga Magic Podcast, and I'm at Ashley.Sondergaard. I'm at home on maternity leave this summer, but if you want to stay connected, and hear about some of the very cool things happening this fall, make sure to hop on our email list. And when you do, you get a free cosmic self-care mini course, a pretty sweet bonus. All right, let's chat with Erica Belanger. Thanks for being on the show, Erica. I'm so excited to chat with just a fellow yoga podcaster, someone who kind of speaks the same language. Um, I'd love to hear how your journey is similar, different, and just, again, all the things that you kind of have learned in this same space. So can you tell listeners who you are and just a little, a little background about yourself? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. So my name is Erica. I'm a yoga teacher, uh, primarily or first, and I'm a stress coach and I do podcasting. I'm a podcaster as well. I currently live in Costa Rica. I'm so lucky in that way. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's been my dream to live by the beach. And so this year or last year, I made it happen. I live 200 meters away from the beach. Oh my gosh. So like a three minute walk if you're not in the, if you're in the feet and not the meter. (laughs) (laughs) Short walk. Yeah. Very short walk from the beach. And I'm just loving it. I'm originally from Montreal and I'm a French Canadian. So English is my second language. French is my first language. And if you see my last name is Belanger in French would be like Belanger in English. Um, And I left Montreal about 10 years ago to live abroad, to work abroad, to explore an adventure because the winter is really hard on me. It's Mm. really, really difficult for me. I suffered a lot from, you know, seasonal depression and things like that. So there's a point where you're like, okay, can I stop complaining about it and do something about it? Totally. (laughs) And so, yeah, I lived in Europe and the U.S. and now I'm in Costa Rica. So I've always loved to travel. So it was easy to be like, I'm taking that leap and just 
I'm going to start my life again somewhere else. Oh my gosh. So you knowing that, like I live in Minnesota, so I fully understand that feeling of just, it, it feels very like trapped to me in the winter where you're like, I can't Agreed. really do what I want to do. I can't go outside. I can't be in the sun. It's just, it's, it's very hard. And luckily I don't feel like I am as affected as other people, but when you're in a spot like Costa Rica, where ultimately it's kind of like the ideal situation, does that, do you feel like that makes a, a huge difference? Like, does that relieve some of that stress? I'd love to hear like the positive note on the other end. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt. So one of the things that has just blown my mind since I'm here is the impact of sun exposure on mm-hmm. my health. And I've always known that I had the, you know, vitamin D deficiency, but like 80% of people out there, like it's such a common thing. You don't really think about it twice. You receive your lab test and you're like, eh, this, it's not optimal, but it's fine. You know, you don't realize how much vitamin D affects your mood, your health, your sleep, like all sorts of systems within, you know, your whole body. Yeah. And I've regularly done blood tests over the years because I have health issues that I'm dealing with in the most holistic way possible. And so doing blood tests is a way that you can measure how things are going, right? How like what you're doing is affecting your body under that scientific lens. And so my vitamin D has always kind of been in the same, definitely on the low end of the scale. And then recently I just got a test done and my vitamin D level went up 12 points. And just so you have an idea, the range is like optimal is between 40 and 60. So it's not Mm -hmm. a range of like 300, right? Like 12 points is a lot. Mm -hmm. It's huge. And from there, I noticed a huge shift in my mood, like just so much lighter, happier, like very I have a tendency, like I have a history of depression in the past. So I have a tendency to go dark, you know, when things get hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I've definitely noticed like a change in my mood. But what has been the most kind of mind-blowing result is two things. One, I lost some weight just from my body functioning better with better level of vitamin D because then you're metabolism start to function better. Right. So my digestion kind of changed and I just lost a little bit of weight without trying. And that's always interesting. You're like, oh, obviously your body is now is like running a little bit more optimally, right? The other thing, and that's what I mentioned before when I said I had health issues that I was dealing with, I suffer from endometriosis. Mm-hmm. And I was um I was diagnosed with a stage four and frozen pelvis. And 10 years ago, I could not walk more than a few minutes at the time. The pain was so intense. I could not work anymore. I was on leave. I could not be physical, physically active. I could barely move. And let alone like any other activity, like everything was hurting all the time, right? And over the years, I've like done so much for my health and to support my system that now I'm like 95% pain-free. Like I live a total like normal life. But there's still things that the disease is still progressing, right? There's, there's no cure and I haven't mm-hmm. completely eradicated. So over the years, I have like cysts, let's say, that will grow, fibrons that will grow. And every five or so years, I need to have surgery to get them removed. For the first time in my life, it's a kind of long story to answer that question. But mm-hmm, I think that's it okay. really kind of, you know, gives people like an example on how crazy sun exposure can have, Mm -hmm. like the impact it can have on your body. For the first time in my life, that has never happened. I went to my OB three months apart because I get checked really often to make sure like nothing, you know, goes bad. Cysts that either disappeared or reduced by like Mm -hmm. half their size. Wow. And he could not explain it. And when I talked to my, I work with the holistic nutritionist, she was like, it's the sun. Mm-hmm. It's the sun, 100%. Like your body is healing now because you're able to produce the vitamin D, synthesizes in your body, every system working better. You're in a lot less stress. There's less stress on your body because you have more sun exposure. And so it can heal. And I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. You did it. You went to the right place. <laughs> yeah. So she was like, wherever you decide to move next, stay close to the equator, stay in the tropics, stay in the heat and stay in the sun. And I was like, done. 
check. <laughs> I'm in. Never going back to winter. Yeah. <laughs> so that's an example of how it affects your wellness and your oh well-being. My gosh. Well, and that's funny too. Like, I, I mean, you can supplement with vitamin D. I did um, like injections, vitamin D injections mm-hmm. to bring it up because it was so, so low and my levels look great, but there's a big difference between being in the sun and feeling that exposure and setting your circadian rhythm into motion on the daily and healing, you know, those, those cells all the time to then just supplementing. There's something really magical about it. I'm absolutely totally agreement. Mm-hmm. I think your body doesn't integrate it the same way. Like it knows that it's not, you know, it's not creating it itself to then use it. You're like feeding mm-hmm. it some non like synthetic version, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, mm, I don't quite know how to synthesize, to integrate, to use it as well as I produced it myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm a big fan of bundling up in the middle of the winter and just going outside. And that's, and like, I do believe that that is not quite as healing as say Costa Rica, but it's a good, if you can, if you can weather the storm, any amount of sun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Get Uh, any amount of sun you can. Well, I'd love to learn a little about your yoga journey and just, you know, you, you said you first and foremost, that you're a yoga teacher. And I feel like, you know, a lot of us that have come into the yoga world, like yoga was that catalyst was that first thing. And we found other things, but you're still so rooted in teaching it. Can you tell us a little bit about your yoga story? Yeah. Um, I didn't come to yoga. I mean, I think a lot of people come to yoga for the physical aspect and with like a particular goal that has nothing to do with everything that yoga actually has to offer, because I don't think we're aware. (laughs) That was me. That was me. Possibility, (laughs) right? I don't think we're unique in that sense. I think that's super common. So I went to yoga for weight loss. Um, I suffered from eating disorder for a decade as a young adult, teenage young adult, And yoga was just one of the other things that I tried to control my weight better, right? Like it was like heated, like pretty difficult classes, right? So like go sweat it out. And it was almost like a form of punishment, you know, Mm -hmm. for the food that I had eaten. Like it was a very, it was, it was not very yogic (laughs) the way I approached it. Um, But something changed, like as of the first class, like for the first time in my life, when I stepped into this room. I felt like my lack of abilities in sport, because I was never really sporty. I was never really good at like any physical activity. It, it didn't matter all of a sudden. And like the fact that I was there is what mattered. Mm. And like th- that first teacher had like such an incredible way to make me feel. And I'm sure most people in the room seen, even mm. though we were like 50 in the room, you know, like it was, bi- it was, it was big groups, but you felt like she knew you were there and that she thought it was important you were there and she cared that you were there. And I had, I didn't have anywhere where I really felt like I belonged. And so that really opened the door and I was like, I like to be here, Mm -hmm. you know, like not even like necessarily for the physical aspects in the beginning, but there was this extra layer of something I needed that I didn't even know I needed, but, and that made me want to come back. And then slowly but surely, you know, like you get physically stronger and you get more flexible and, you you know, you can do things that are um, that you see other people doing. You're like, wow, this is exciting, you know, like so then you get into the body and then slowly you get into all the other things. But right. for me, it was really like coming out of a place of suffering and then getting that shifted and then getting to my body. And for a long time, my yoga practice was about reconnecting to myself and feeling myself again, as simple as like, you know, engaging a muscle and aligning the bones in a certain, you know, direction in a certain way, and then really feeling from inside. So reconnecting because eating disorder, you know, disconnects you, like it's mm-hmm. a numbing mechanism. So getting unnumbed was like a big part of my yoga practice for a long time. And it's, it's, I teach a lot of, you know, self awareness and reawakening to yourself and getting to know yourself through yoga. I think it's probably one of the things I teach the most outside of 
or not even outside, but like I use the poses to teach that. Like that's mm-hmm. a thread through everything I teach for sure. Self-awareness is something that's been coming up a lot into my like sphere lately. It must be something I need to work on too. But I was talking to this really interesting person for the show about, we think that we're really self-aware. Like the majority of us are like, yes, I know myself, but we're actually not really at all. What do you Uh think self-awareness, like as you're teaching that, or as you were discovering it yourself, like what did that look, feel, sound like? Well, as I said, the first layer was to literally feel my body, myself, my emotion, and then starting to like hear my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Not in the sense of like, I know everybody is listening. Like I hear my thoughts plenty, but in the sense of like, creating a little bit of detachment and space, you know, and being like, Oh, I'm having these thoughts, like, like awareness of the thought. Is that? Yeah. 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 Okay. That that you are not, you know, like there's like, Oh, there's this process happening in my mind right now. Like, Hmm, that's interesting. Kind of crazy. Right. Like, so like creating distance with your emotions and your thoughts was definitely a way that you can start to feel and see that it's happening. Mm-hmm. And because from there, then you learn like, oh, I'm reacting this way. Oh, I responded, you know, in that matter, because this emotion was coming up because I had this thought and I created the story and you can start to see like bigger patterns and feeling that connection with yourself. It comes from the slowing down. I think that we experience in yoga. And so when you catch yourself slowing down in your practice and then slowing down off the mat, I think you can kind of see that the practice is rooting itself in your life a little bit too, right? So whenever I catch myself be a little slower, a little bit more mindful, I know I'm opening the door to that self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. And the more I can start to see what I'm doing that used to be on autopilot. For me, it's about getting off of autopilot. Mm -hmm. When you feel like you're not living on like the automated program condition things that you were told you're supposed to do, you're supposed to like, this is how life is. And this is what will make you happy. When you're able to slow down enough and have the courage to ask questions like, what do I want? Mm -hmm. Then you start to build that self-awareness right there's so many ways like those are a few examples but I feel like you get honest with yourself and you get clear with the things you desire you want that are okay not okay for you what like and that comes from the body like the the best way to know if something feels right is like to feel it in like am I feeling constricted am I feeling open right am I feeling Mm -hmm. like I'm joyful or I'm dreading this. Like, and all those things take time because they're subtle to notice. But the more you learn and the more you notice, the quicker you get and the more on point you are with your true authentic self. Because now you're like, mm, I'm feeling contracted. I'm, you know, clenching my jaw. I'm doing this and that. You're like, mm, this is a no for me. This is a no. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, mm-hmm. there's so many ways. But yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I can, no, I feel like does. I can rant about this for a long time. <laughs> no, it's funny because I, I mean, like I've had such a similar experience. Like yoga taught me to listen to what I want to ultimately follow the path that I want. And in self-awareness, I don't necessarily like speak to that as often, but I, that's totally what it is, right? It's being able to listen to, you know, what the next best step is for me and, mm-hmm. and tune out some of that other noise and conditioning you know, with the physical benefits, the self-awareness being two of the the heavy hitters of benefits that you experienced in yoga, what are some other things that ultimately kind of led you down the path to your show, to the topics that you talk about on your show, you know, bringing it off the mat, all of these ideas that like maybe brewed in the classroom and now are part of, of your life? Mm-hmm. Well, so I would say like, like we talked about connection was probably the first piece and that led into self-awareness and that led into like a reawakening to who you truly are, like Mm -hmm. to reconnecting, like under those layers of conditioning, once you know what you want, you desire versus you don't want, once you stop living on autopilot and you create that space, then you can take that off the mat. 
right? Like now it's not about, can you do the splits? Can you balance your handstands? Can you do, that doesn't matter. And this is what really made a difference for me. It was like using the poses to create that awakening, that connection, and eventually transformation. Mm -hmm. And this is what I've really learned. And I think this is what you'll see a lot in my show. And you'll see a lot in what I teach about off the mat is how yoga is a tool for transformation. You can transform your mood in like two to five minutes with some yoga practices. You don't need like an hour, right? You can transform how your body physically feel. You can transform the way you're thinking. Mm -hmm. You can transform the way you're showing up in your relationship. Like it's not just being mindful and present, but there's so many tools in yoga that, you know, bring you closer to that goal of liberation. Like for me, that's yoga is a tool of liberation of suffering. So like, who wants to, who wants to suffer more? You know, like what if you know that you have tools to feel better in all aspects of your life? Mm -hmm. And the more you get to know yourself, the more you can know which tool are appropriate and right for you, the more you're able to slow down in the moment, the more you're able to decide the right next action. It doesn't even have to be this big plan ahead. It's right now. What do I need? Like. For me, this is like so valuable. It's just, and this is what I want people to, to know and to be able to experience that you have agency over your life. You have control and not in the sense of like gripping, but in the sense of the agency when even everything around you feels like crazy and chaotic and out of control. Mm-hmm. You know, like you are not just a victim of everything that happens to you, you can make your life, you know, about Mm -hmm. it's happening for me. And I think yoga can teach us that. I agree. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. That's such a beautiful way to put it. Do you feel like you, it's important to be really consistent with a practice in order to receive these benefits and get to this point, you know, that you're talking about, or do you think it's something that, that you can kind of add to your toolbox amongst other things? Like, or I don't know, maybe it's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think when it's new to you, you need to be consistent. Mm-hmm. You need to be consistent to create that like strong foundation that then you know what tool to go get. You have enough experience with them that they're just at the tip of your fingers. Until that day, consistency is super important in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I've done uh, things like, you know, trying to do a thousand days in a row without skipping, like discipline <laughs> is very important for me. Um, I think it makes it easier to show up when you're disciplined, when you don't give yourself the, the, the option. Like when you're like every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I do this. That's it. It's, it's what I do. It's part of my schedule. It's mm-hmm. not like when I wake up in the morning, if I feel like it, I will practice yoga. Mm, for me, in my experience, it's not going to happen because life happens, because mm-hmm. you feel tired, because you're hungry, because, right? But when you schedule it and you create a routine, you don't have to talk yourself into it. You don't have to decide. You don't have to make a choice. The choice is made. This is what you're supposed to do. And so I find for the practice that helps create consistency and consistency just it adds layer on layer on layer of your knowledge but then your embodiment of that knowledge because it's not because you've read the yoga sutra one time you know that one sutra that then you're going to apply it on your mat and then you're going to apply it in your life you know it takes we need repetition to really understand things and what they mean and how they you know work and the only way to get repetition it's with consistency otherwise it's going to take you forever I think the more consistency you have, the faster you're going to get results. Mm-hmm. And then when I was saying like, yeah, it's kind of in the middle is that the consistency over time is in many different things. In, my, in the beginning, it might be like, I'm consistently stepping onto my mat and physically practicing asana. That might be like the consistent thing. But then over time, over years, your consistency might be like, I'm stepping on the mat only two or three times a week, but I also sit in meditation every night. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm in this situation, I always do a breath practice before. And when I'm, 
So like it might not look as rigid Mm -hmm. because you have more tools. And so you can have more variety, but you're still consistent in that sense. You're still using all the tools that yoga offers just that your toolbox is bigger, Mm -hmm. but you've got into the habit of picking it up, picking it up, using it every time. And I think we need consistency to get into that habit. Otherwise you forget, you forget that, you know, how to shift your mood. You forget that, you know, how to quiet your mind. You get into like this crazy frantic thing and you're like, ah, panic. And you forget that you're like, wait, I know how to calm myself down. Mm-hmm. Right. And that takes, I think that takes repetition and that takes consistency. That's so true. I, I, I mean, I've been teaching yoga for over 10 years. And I forget sometimes I'm like, man, I'm out of my practice right now. And it's so easy to, to make your way back in, but it's also pretty easy to kind of fall out of it too. And this is true of all self-care. So on the show, we talk so much about practices and routines and, you know, Mm -hmm. like that toolbox that we ultimately build. What do you have in addition to yoga in your toolbox. I know you talked about, you work a lot with stress. I think that's something like we all could use a little help on <laughs> Like, yes. personally, yes. like what do you do for self-care and, and then what are some of your favorites for that stress resiliency? Yeah. So just to take a step back. So you like, for me, self-care is anything that brings you like to helps you preserve your health or improve your health. Mm. that's how I define self-care. So it's pretty broad for me. Right. Mm -hmm. So generally speaking, it aligns really well with supporting your nervous system, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, when we talk about stress, you need to understand how your nervous system works because stress is one response that your nervous system gives you to give you some information. Right. So um, anything that helps your body function more optimally is self-care for me then it's about asking like, what do I need right now? Like what needs my attention? How am I feeling? And then choosing what direction you want to go. And also just constantly working on like elevating your baseline basically of Mm. health and wellness. Cause the higher baseline is like the easiest, everything else then goes. So as simple as, and that might be boring for people because we hear that all the time, but your sleep how much you sleep and the quality of your sleep is a game changer, right? Like on average adults, we need to sleep between seven and nine hours. And that's a ton. People are like nine hours. Who has time for nine hours? I love a nine and hour sleep. <laughs> it's amazing. Too. I'll take a 10 <laughs> if I can. Please. Totally. And another piece that's annoying is that the hours before midnight are actually more restful and restorative right. than the yeah. hours after midnight. So like knowing these little things then become self-care. Okay, mm. I want to I want to sleep two hours or two and a half hours before midnight. What do I need to do to prepare my evening to be ready to go to bed at this time and actually fall asleep? Right. Mm-hmm. So when you think of the big picture, that's one example. Sleep is huge. What do you need to do to prepare for sleep? For me, I can't be I can't be working. I cannot be working for at least three hours before bed. If I'm still in my working mode, I go to bed and I'm still like problem solving and my mind is still running in that sense. Right. So I need to stop work three hours before bed. I need to, I prefer to lower the lights. I use candlelight at night a lot because it, it calms me down. I put soft music at night. I'm not going to exercise at night. I might do restorative yoga. I might do yin yoga, but nothing that raises my heartbeat or nothing that, you know, brings energy up. I want to mm-hmm. bring, do things that bring my energy down. I might do self-massage. I love a good like face massage, like face yoga right? Like these things. So whatever works for you to prepare you for better sleep, that would be one thing that is huge for me. And that is very important. I'm kind of princess in the pea. So that has been a huge practice. So like, (laughs) how can I make, how can I make my sleep just the most luxurious thing possible? Right. Cause it doesn't come easy to me. Then it's like food, food is your fuel. And like, it affects, like we talked about vitamin D, like the food affects so many things you, you, you have, including your stress, because if your body, if you're requesting more energy than you fuel, you put your body in a state of stress. You have to think that like famine is actually, you know, can kill us. So like your body's like, 
wait, like you need to, right? You need to give me more fuel. So learning to fuel your body properly takes time because there's so many information, so much information out there and it doesn't all apply to you, right? It's true. And yes. where, where you stand. So you have to do like trial and error. You mm-hmm. have to find ways to measure how it's going. And over years, you're going to need different things as well. So you always have to stay on top of like, what do you need for optimal energy, for optimal digestion Mm -hmm. for me? So for me, self-care right now is also making sure I get plenty of carbs, which for years I was like basically having no carbs, right? Mm -hmm. Because I didn't want the sugar. But now I see a huge difference. And like I calculate my macros and I follow what I eat to make sure I hit a certain numbers of carbs not from that mental state of eating disorder of like controlling, controlling, controlling. It's like a tool to optimize and to feel better. I know that I, if I hit 250 grams of carbs a day, I feel my best. Hmm. So that, that, that might include carrying a snack, carrying, you know, coconut water with me when I go out, like, because I know I can plan ahead and I can feel, you know, my best sleep, food, exercise. So we, you said other than yoga, so I would include yoga, but for me, I need also weight training that feels really helpful and supportive for my body. That's a part of self-care that I do. Um, other somatic practices like shaking, dancing, like anything that helps me move the energy, especially emotions, uh, like anxiety, anything that relates to stress, right? Like anxiety, overwhelm, um, frustration, And then other emotions that are a little heavier, like anger or heavier for me to, you know, move through Um, those practices, like either dancing, shaking for anger. This week I was like, I was, I was in a mood one day. I went into the car and I played like, um, you know, my blue suit, like this raging music. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and I was just raging, like singing in the car and like singing loud. And I find like using your voice a lot when you experience anger is really supportive. And so, you know, that day I went to the car, I sang, I kind of hit the thing. I <laughs> yelled at the red light. You know, those are all self-care practices for me because Absolutely. I know that it's moving energy out mm-hmm. and I'm going to feel, you know, I'm going to be able to come back into a more like grounded place after are you a fire sign what's in your chart i'm super curious i'm guessing like some there's scorpio somewhere and there's like maybe aries or something else not at all damn it i usually i'm better (laughs) i'm actually i i'm actually a virgo oh virgo sun yeah wow okay i'm a virgo uh rising taurus okay and my moon is in pisces so i'm water and earth yeah well, that, yeah, that makes sense though. A little bit. I mean, although I would not have guessed Virgo at all. That's really, that's probably yeah. why you're good at like being and are you, would you consider yourself an entrepreneur in like all senses? Like, I feel like you have to be kind of self-disciplined, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a funny question because I've just recently switched that mindset and I call myself an entrepreneur now. And now that you say this, yeah. it's funny that I didn't mention it in the beginning because I've been making an effort to be like, I'm not a yoga teacher. I'm not these things. I'm an entrepreneur. And that yeah. is never something that I um, associated with in the past. Like I never thought like that was something I would be good at. And it was a learn. it's a learning curve, totally. no questions, but more and more I see myself as, yeah, an entrepreneur. I don't know if it comes from the Virgo, but well, Maybe yeah, you have to be pretty detailed to be an entrepreneur. Sure. I feel like in like self, a self-starter. Okay. I sidetracked you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, self-care. we were talking about self-care practices and like I gave a few examples. I would add meditation and breath work, um, whether it's in like an official breath practice where you lay on the floor and you do your breath practice for half an hour, or it's a really quick like I'm going to lay in bed, you know, block my right nostril and breathe for 10 breaths to my left before I go to bed, you know, like it doesn't have to be this huge like thing. Um, but I love breath. Breath is very, very powerful. Meditation is always, it's been part of my practices for a long time. And it's a place for me to, to create like mental self-care, mm-hmm. right? Like, if that oh, makes yeah. sense, like to like empty your mind, to stay, like to not let yourself 
go into the craziness um, of your thoughts. And then journaling is also a way to practice mental self-care for me and learning. Learning has been super important for my motivation in life, I guess, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So I'm always on an, I'm always looking for an opportunity to learn something new and to grow. And I feel that's self-care. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm always doing a course of something or I'm always, you know, like reading something or listening to podcasts. So that's a big part of things that I will do for myself. And then in like the spiritual sense of self-care, I think from like connection within, then you can connect with others and like community is self-care for me, like really finding people you truly align with that you can be a hundred percent authentic mm -hmm. and you are received and you feel like you belong. I think that's cultivating that community, actively searching for these people, not just becoming friend with your neighbor because it's convenient and he's your neighbor. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> yeah. like making an effort to seek those people out in your life for me is spiritual self-care. And I do that a lot, especially with moving You have to start over every time. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, you have to do that. And then it might be meditation again, but like slightly a different style, a bit more like a devotional meditation, something like that. Um, and like nature, nature is mm -hmm. a huge self-care for me. And it's also kind of spiritual, but also physical and also mental. It kind of touches all the thing, you know, like I gave myself like Of course, I live in Costa Rica, but I gave myself a challenge. I go put my feet on the beach in the ocean every single day. No mm -hmm. excuse. If it's for 30 seconds and I have to park my car because I'm going somewhere and I don't have time today, every day I will go see or touch my feet in the earth, the ocean. And if I have time to swim, better. And I sit in the ocean and I'm like, <sighs> I look around and like, I live here, mm -hmm. right? So like, gratitude practices right mm -hmm. appreciation celebration of the things that go well those are also spiritual self-care practices for me so there's so much is that enough example that's great oh my gosh I love it I love it <laughs> you know it's you say it so much but ultimately like these don't take a lot of time and they're part of, they just become, like you said, you know, discipline and become part of our routine and we look forward to them and they give us that they're part of our toolbox. Now we just know to come back to it. If, you know, somebody was really, I, I think a lot of people that listen to the show, they, they know a lot of these tools, but sometimes it's like decision fatigue. So mm -hmm. I'm in that like stress state. Yeah. What if you could offer up one or two practices, maybe that you do, or just that, you know, in the work that you do is really helpful. What could they reach for? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a, it depends kind of, you know, mm -hmm. answer. So I'll do my best, but I think before I suggest one thing, I would say that they have to choose something that's really small to start, mm -hmm. you know, because we get overwhelmed really easily and we can get overwhelmed with our self-care practices. Absolutely. Right? I, yeah, I do that. And that's not helpful. <laughs> not helpful. I know. So I would start by choosing one thing. That's a really small commitment, a few minutes, you know, a small commitment and then making a commitment, making a decision. And that's what we taught. I talked earlier about like scheduling it because it removes that decision fatigue. You were mm -hmm. talking about. You don't have to make the decision. It's just part of the day. Yeah. It's just that's part of point. the day. Right. And then If you can attach this to another habit that you already have, that is, you never question, like brush your teeth. Like there's not one day that I'm like, I don't really want to brush my teeth this morning. Right. Like <laughs> you do it because <laughs> you know, the benefits, you know, it's mm -hmm. worth it. There's no negotiation with yourself anymore. So if you attach it to that, you know, another habit that you already do, it makes it easier as well. because it they're like, they get, you know, connected together. That being said, If you're in a stress state, let's assume that you're in the fight or flight kind of state, there's kind of two things you need to do. One is you need to meet yourself in that energy. So if you're feeling super stressed and you decide, I'm going to go sit in meditation, your mind is going to be a tornado and you're not going to feel more relaxed, 
right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So you have to meet yourself in agitation first. Mm. What does that mean? That means you're going to put your favorite song and dance it out for two minutes. That's agitated energy, right? You're going to shake. You're going to do a few vinyasas. You're going to like whatever feels agitating for you, you could start with that thing. And then you bring the calming thing that serves you after. So for me, if I'm feeling really stressed, this is what I do. I put one song, I dance it out. At the end of the song, I will either journal, sit in meditation, or go sit in the sun. I think that's like, it takes you no time. It's really easy. You need nothing. But like, shake it out of your body. Connect with yourself. Like, I see you. You're here. This is what's happening. I'm going to accept and love you in this place. Give you like, meet you in that energy. And then I'm going to bring in what I want to feel instead, Mm -hmm. right? Like that more calm and relaxed state. If it's very like anxious energy, writing down what I'm anxious about, what I'm worried about can create cognitive distance and help me like, okay, it's not that big of a deal. Actually, Yeah. Yeah. Bring awareness to it. Like I see. Yeah. Okay. If it's just like, I'm not, you know, ruminating on something, but it's just ping pong thoughts, right? Like, it's Mm -hmm. just like, I'm, my to-do list is overwhelming. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Then sitting down quiet was going to be more helpful for me than writing stuff down. If I'm feeling, you know, stressed kind of in a wired way, like I'm stressed, but I'm exhausted at the same time, Mm. sitting in the sun, be like, okay, like receiving the prana of the sun is what I will do. So that would be like my, you know, choose one thing that releases, that meets the stress energy. And then one thing that calms you down and the two together could be, you know, you can dance for one minute and then sit in meditation for two. And you're already going to feel a shift, even if it's just, even if you just take a few deep breaths and it's not really meditation and you're just like, okay, deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. You're going to feel yeah. I love that. I, that's such a great solution. And like, it's matching. Yeah. Like matching the energy, giving it some, some energy, letting it know like, okay, I, I see you. And then being able to sort of move through it. I think there's so much of us that are like, like just sort of in that, I don't know. I'm like, maybe it's like spiritual bypassing, but especially in this wellness space, it's like, Oh, you know, like take a few breaths. And I'm a big fan of that, but I love the idea of giving it some just awareness first attention happening. Yeah. 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 That's a great, I think, I think it's huge because otherwise it's too jarring of a, a difference and your body needs like a gradual shift. It's not a switch your nervous system where it's like, I'm in fight or flight. Okay. I'm in relaxed, you know, rest, Mm -hmm, digest, mm -hmm. loving, engage. There's kind of a little transition there. So can you help your body transition? Because otherwise you sit in meditation and you hate every minute of it. And that's why people hate meditation. Yeah. They're like, it's so hard. I can't do it. And it's not for me. Yeah. Because you come at it with an energy that's so like agitated. Mm -hmm. You can't ask your brain to shut off. It's been agitated like this the whole day or for six months or for 10 years, right? Like you can't expect to sit and be quiet in meditation if you don't do anything with that energy first. Mm -hmm. That's so true. I love that. I'd love to touch on your show and because Mm -hmm. we have such sort of, well, different, but similar shows and we've had, I feel like we've had a few similar guests. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what have you, are there any big takeaways that you've learned in podcasting things that like, you're like, man, this has been maybe from a guest or maybe just in this like process of, of doing the show. What have you learned? So much. Gosh. I mean, isn't it like, it's such a good one hundred, (laughs) one hundred thirty. I think. Are you good for you? Yeah. So a lot. I think one of the main thing I've learned with the guest is the presence and the conversation style, because it's different than like having a conversation with a friend, right? Like Mm -hmm. I have a clear intention on what I want, um, not the person to share per se, but like where I want to take the discussion. And you don't really do that in life. You know, you don't Mm -hmm. like manage the discussion with people. Like that's not your job. 
where this is a, an interviewing skill that I didn't have. It's not like I studied in communication or like that was something that I learned over the years and that I feel a lot better about now. And I also feel like from the beginning, I wanted to kind of synthesize people's idea and make sure that the listener were able to catch what I was, what they were answer because sometimes you know I did it today like I go into this whole story but there's like one particular point that I want the listeners to like remember and be like so in this whole thing basically you said this and like I will bring it back in one sentence and mm -hmm. that took me a while to learn but I like write down the words that they say so I can like reuse like there's all these little skills that I didn't do in the beginning that I didn't know that were thing necessarily yeah. or, like, <laughs> yeah. you know uh, so how to focus on the subject, how to keep the guest kind of, you know, from ranting too long, too much in like a rabbit hole of something. Those are all things I've learned. And I mean, the technology, like I've changed my, my setup a couple of times, right? Like I've changed apartments. Like every time you're like, oh, wait, it's like super echoey in here. Like yeah. trying to learn like new things, right? Um, how to reach to people and like pitch your show yeah how mm -hmm. to say no to someone that pitches themselves to you or mm -hmm. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. those are all skills that I didn't necessarily like think about before and I'm doing more and more solo episodes and that's a different skill as well you know like this I take all the space and I talk about particularly the nervous system and stress um so there's many episodes on that if people want to check it out but it's definitely a different approach because you speak nonstop for half an hour. Right. I know minutes, right? <laughs> talking into a vacuum for an hour, which is like, I don't know though. I, once you kind of get in the groove, I feel like it starts to flow. It take usually takes yeah. me a couple starts and stops. And then I'd be like, and we're off. <laughs> yeah. And that, that point, um, for me, I kind of gave myself the challenge to like, I don't edit like even the guests. It's like, if something really terrible, like happens, I will edit it, like, you know, make it smooth. But like, I, I hit record and let's go, even when I do it myself. So like, if I stumble, I stumble and I'm human and it is what it mm -hmm. is, you know, because I'm a perfectionist as well. So like, if I start over, I might start over like 27 times before, you know, I'm like, okay, <laughs> good. I'm on a roll. <laughs> so there's that Virgo. There's that Virgo for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I kind of gave myself the challenge to be like authentic in that way and be mm -hmm. like, yeah, sometimes I pronounce things wrong because English is not my first language. And sometimes I stumble, stumble onto words and it is what it is, but I'm not going to stop and like start over again because who has the time? <laughs> yeah. And it's, I like that. I actually, I edit, but well, no, I, edit. I'm very Capricorn. So like I have <laughs> a very different approach, but at the end of the day, it's those, those human moments that make the show really great. Right. That like make people want to come back and listen to you doing a solo episode on the things that you've learned throughout this process. And, you know, it's, there's so many podcasts out there, but not a lot of people that get to that many episodes I like stick with it it's a ton of work it's, it's a, a ton, ton of work mm -hmm. but it's people so don't fun. realize like a lot of people tell me like oh I want to start a podcast but I'm pretty busy I'm like yeah don't don't do it no, no I think it's <laughs> great do it. Like, do it if you want okay. just be like pick something you can sustain which is true like coming back to yoga and all the things we're talking about like be realistic and and yeah. really check in with yourself like is this is this filling me up am I enjoying this is this part of my yeah. path? And for me, like for a long time, that meant not doing an episode weekly. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the bandwidth to do that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to be okay with doing two episodes a month for a while, for six months, mm -hmm. for a year, right? And then I was like, okay, okay, I'm getting, you know, over time, things get easier and faster. I'm like, okay, I have the bandwidth to do three episodes. Okay, I have the bandwidth to do four episodes. You know, so like giving yourself that that chance to learn as you go and honor where you at and what you're able to, to create, you know? Mm -hmm. oh, this is so fun. It's so fun to talk to somebody who's like really very much in that same space and, and really doing unique, but different, like unique, but the same things in a way and, you know, connect from across the world. Um, so thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Such a pleasure. Yeah. Can you tell listeners just 
all the things, your show, your Instagram, where they can connect with you? Yeah. Um, so Instagram is erica.belanger at, uh, no, what am I saying? Erica.belanger is Instagram. So my name, um, I also have a podcast Instagram page is the name of the podcast you'll find on and off your mat. So that's the podcast. You'll find it everywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, I have, we talked a lot about self-care today and I have a quiz on my website where people can, that. yeah, they can, um, learn about what kind of self-care they need right now. And then it gives them tools to support them. If like, it comes up that it's mental self-care, right? Like then it'll give you some tools, uh, to support you in that. So if people want to dig in into that a little bit more, it seemed like it was a big part of our conversation. Um, they'll find that on my website, the quiz. And um, I just announced last week uh, my next yoga retreat. So the wait list is open. People can't register now, but they can sign up for the wait list to have the information when it comes out. Because the day that we open the door, there's like this special thing for the five, you know, five first people that sign up. There's like a special bonus for them. So there's a wait list right now. If people want to go on a yoga retreat, if they've never done it or they've done it before, but they're like, I absolutely love yoga retreats. We're going to work all these things. I'm focusing on stress the whole week and your nervous system. So like how to learn all these practices through yoga, through all the other tools that exist and really focusing on that while having like a break from your life, right? That you can yes. totally immerse yourself. You're amongst people that are wanting to do the same thing as you. You're in nature. It's absolutely beautiful. It's on the beach in this eco luxury, like self-land protected area uh, in Mexico. So it's absolutely gorgeous. And it's, it's an incredible experience. Last year was phenomenal. So I'm excited to, to finally announce next year. It'll be in November. So people can sign up also on my website for the wait list and just have their name uh, and be the first one to, to know when they can join officially. So those are all the things I think. That's exciting. Yoga retreats can't get enough. Yes, please. That's I amazing. know, especially <laughs> after the two years we've just had. You know, I know. Like, like traveling and then also just taking that time for yourself, mm -hmm. disconnecting from technology, disconnecting from the chaos and the craziness of the world right now and having this time to just be with yourself, to be with community, to be with these practices. Like talk about consistency when you can immerse yourself like it makes it so much easier to just show up right after like, cause mm -hmm. you want to, you have such a direct feeling of like the practices over the days and the rest that you get. And like your life changes in my opinion, like every retreat I have done, your life pivots. It's, it's different from that point on. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very cool. Well, we'll link all that information up. Thank you again, Erica. Such a pleasure to, to connect with you. I love your show. I love the guests. I love all the things that you talk about. So everybody check out Erica and yeah, thanks for your time. It is just so fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for tuning in everyone. Thanks to Erica for all this amazing insight. If you enjoyed this episode, send it to a buddy, write a review, and most importantly, make sure to hit subscribe so that you don't miss next week's episode. Thanks everyone.